Hello and welcome to Castival. This is the podcast which brings on brilliant guests to pitch their dream music festival. My name is Matt Hoss and I'm the host and I'm here to guide you around their music festival. Today's guest is an award-winning stand-up comedian, author, and a Twitch gargantuan. It is the wonderful John Robertson. Hello. Hey, thank you. I'm I, <laughs> I'm very I'm very pleased by your use of the phrase Twitch gargantuan. Thank that is, you. That is demonstratively <laughs> untrue, but thank you. I look look for all of the um for all of the very very strange people who found, sort of capsized onto Twitch uh, during the <laughs> pandemic. I'm doing I'm doing just fine. But let's let's just put it this way. I've got some I've got some mates who've been streamers and started streaming back when we were all told that we should have and uh they're the ones who didn't notice the pandemic was happening so yeah. good on them <laughs> you know well i i'm glad you picked up on twitch gargantuan because i was like i wasn't quite sure whether to use it but i thought i thought you would appreciate it i thought you would I, like look, it I, I, i'll take a compliment wherever <laughs> i'm i'm well aware that my life is continually just trying to keep wolves from the door <laughs> and that the door is paper fucking thin and so are the walls at my house <laughs> You know, it's look, I tell you what, for someone who's, you know, about three steps away from having to get inside a cardboard box and stay there, I'm doing great. Thank you. You've already set the tone of this podcast and it's already perfect. Oh, I'm glad. Oh, good. I don't have perfect tone as anyone has heard me sing can attest. So that's great. We're going to be talking about music and uh, uh, what kind of things you're into. But if someone were to ask you, John, what kind of music are you into? How do you typically respond to that oh, question? I- Look, uh, the, the music that I'm into is up for considerable debate uh, <laughs> because, cause to be honest, the, the way that I would um, describe it is unenjoyable for others is the music that I'm into. Um, I have been reliably informed by virtually everyone I've lived with, except for, except for my wife, who has developed a close personal relationship with several artists I like, yeah. um, some, some of whom which is just utter hatred. Um, <laughs> But uh, my my taste of music has been described by various people as unlistenable bullshit. Um, <laughs> what the fuck is this? And perhaps the most hurtful one, which is, I you know, I was like when I met John, I thought, oh look at him, he'll like metal, he'll like metal. But it's folk music. He likes folk music. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, uh, what is it about uh, your vibe which you think people think that you like metal music? Oh, well, it's a combination of uh, on any given day, you know. <laughs> look, okay, on, on a day where I, when I don't think I'm going to see anyone, you know, it's, a, it's the lack of grooming, it's the long hair, it's the fact that I always wear black. Yeah. And, and when, I, when I am dressed up, it's the jewellery and the skulls and the boots <laughs> and, you know, just, just all of these things. And that's, that's fine. I mean, I like there's some metal I like and I'll tell you what the day that I wrote on Facebook it was like a coming out party when I said look I like metal now and everyone I knew suddenly was like whoa you'll like this you'll like this you'll like this and contrary to how some scenes can be everyone was inclusive of every genre like all metal is good metal like well that's not then why do we have the periodic table if that's true fuck off you know but yeah and uh, well um so so what's your favorite kind of metal and how did you get into that as well like uh, if if you had to like kind of pick one thing you're like you know what that's i'll tell you exactly my favorite type of metal i i have to be in the right mood uh for heavy metal and what i like to listen to is i and this this yeah i like melodious metal and what what that doesn't mean is i don't want to hear a song where i put it on i go okay for seven and a half minutes you know (laughs) 
Like yes. that, that sickens me. What I want to hear is somebody with either an operatic or distinctive voice and something really heavy behind them yeah. that then when it hits the chorus, put something you might want to dance to. Yes. You know, so like my, my template for really good, really good metal that I like is the band Threshold once they got their second lead singer because I saw them live mm -hmm. and that guy's fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. Like he just walked around, hugged everybody and it was super nice and that was just a great gig. Uh, Ramstein are a perfect template for this, you know. Mm -hmm. Till Lindemann sounds like this. <laughs> Everyone knows you're listening to Ramstein. <laughs> yes. Now we're swelling for the chorus. Holy shit, it's chorus time. <laughs> yeah, you know. And then, you know, like the fact that the fact that Engel is principally based on whistling yeah. tells you everything you need to know about what I like. Um, yeah. And also, like, um, I, I really like. I don't hear enough of this, but I like metal uh, with female lead singers. Like, yes. Like Nightwish. Mm -hmm. Fucking great. I mean, they could be a little bit less of the tickly, 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 yes, tickly. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, just a, just a really soaring operatic voice with something heavy behind it. Like Disturbed Sound of Silence cover, you know? Yeah, and um, I, I personally like Hailstorm as well, who has that oh, kind yeah. of like that... Like that kind of brutish, uh, but also like kind of like triumphant voice, uh, but yes. with a lot of cool heavy metal. You can't go wrong with Hailstorm. I feel no, like. no, that sounds great. What to be honest, what I really like is I really like my. Um, I think it's his second album, but I've got um, Lindemann's album Skills in Pills, mm -hmm. which I'd never heard the bloke from Ramstein sing in English and deliberately foul songs, and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing where when we had an ongoing um, noise fight with one of the neighbours, I would put on that and I'd put on Leprous with their album Cole. And they, they're great. They sound as good as the name tells you. You know, I like them. They're appealing. Hey, oh, yeah. shut the fuck up. Anyway, th that was that was a shut the fuck up very much directed at me uh, in a singer-songwriter sense of, this song's about my failings. Then why are you singing it? Because I want you to know I'm sad. Um, yeah, that, that's yeah. what this podcast is. Uh, this oh, is good. how you know I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most podcasts are a cry for help, but unlike cry for helps, they're not listened to. Um, <laughs> Look, the, um, what, yeah. yeah, like, but yeah, if, if you ever get a chance to listen to Lindemann's Skills and Pills, it's mm -hmm. worth it for songs like Golden Shower. Mm -hmm. um, oh, open up your pretty flower, give me, give me golden shower. And it's just, there's a lot of work that's gone into making an album this fucking stupid, <laughs> and it's great. It pleases me uncannily and immensely. I love it. I would love to listen to an album with you just to see your like visceral <laughs> facial reactions to it. But like, what the fuck is it? <laughs> oh, mate, I am I am the worst. I used to ring up when I was a teenager. I'd ring up friends of mine and demand that they listen to songs where I found the lyrics halfway amusing down yeah. the phone. And that was pretty grim. Like when you're the okay, because I was the I was the dickhead reading Mojo magazine and believing it a hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm there. They're like, wow, this is really good. And my friends are like, please just, please just put on something we can dance to. It's like when all of my friends went to see Muse in concert and I noticeably wasn't invited, that was a sign, you know. Oh, we would have been definite friends uh, during oh, school good. time. Yeah, great. Yeah, because I was um, like, like literally anyone, anyone who knows me who's listening to this can feel the names of the people I like coming forward because I probably talk more about their, I use their names more than I do listen to their music. Yes. You know? Yeah. In a way, that's kind of what they were for, <laughs> you know, yeah. when I was a kid. 
So, so in terms of folk music, because I know yeah. I kind of took you off on a metal tangent. That is totally yeah. my my bad. No, there. that's fine. That's but fine. Where, so what kind of folk music do you like, and uh, why do you think it calls to you? Well, I know I know exactly why. Um, my dad uh, was a priest, and he was a um, he was a guitar toting vicar nice and so yeah like a cool priest babies uh you know and that's no oxymoron there were a lot of women called doreen who used to assist with the flower arranging a lot more than you'd expect just to, you know because they had that kind of wholesome anglican we really want to fuck the priest kind of vibe you know like so my like yeah, my dad never did that, but it was one of those things of like, like, and he was also dead before I hit puberty. So I didn't reach that stage of realizing, mm -hmm. wait a minute, that's what this is. This is like, there's a little bit of, ooh, ooh dear, ooh, titter ye not vicar kind of feel to this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they appreciated him in a, in, in whatever fashion, but you could easily recontextualize re re that to rock. Yeah. With, <laughs> and also, and also I'll tell you what, I mean, as a comic, the fact that my dad, you know, every fucking Sunday had a local gig walking distance from the house where 300 people would show up just to see him talk. I've based my career on that shit. Good on him. My dad was drawing the big fucking numbers. Good on him. You know? Yeah, midday gig. It's fantastic, isn't it? Oh, know? mate. Yeah, you, you're in, you're out. Bit yeah. of tea and biscuits afterwards. But uh, sadly, in his case, it was literally tea and biscuits, you know? But, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, I love that. But dad would, um, dad would do... I mean, they, he would do song parodies on his on his acoustic guitar. Really? Yeah, like he'd um, like okay, he he, you know, because he used to apparently in in the seventies, right? He used to host rock masses and. <laughs> You know, for the, for the youth, and then by the time I came along, he was just kind of having a bit of fun. So it was things like um, instead of uh, if everybody had a surfboard across the USA, it's if everybody had an altar in WA because we're from Western Australia, they'd all be at St Matthews every Sunday. You know, it's that's it's so really, cool. I really I, like that. That's nice. Oh, it was like he he at one point. We've got the tapes. One holiday uh, when my mum and I would go out, right. Uh, he was writing in private a, um, a fucking rock musical, like a, a Christian rock musical, which, to be honest, could just be described as uh, it's like Jesus Christ Superstar with jokes and balls. <laughs> like he had a song about the circumcision of the Gentiles and in, in the recording that he's just doing for his own fun, at the end of it, he just goes, ouch. And then you can just hear him go, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Because he knows he's made a shit joke. Yeah. Thank you. It's really good. So, yeah, very much a, yeah. So I like the sound of acoustic guitars off the back of him mm -hmm. and lyrics that you can understand. I, I get that from him because he, he'd wanted to be a folk singer. He wrote some nice Dylan parodies and stuff, and mm -hmm. that was cool. And then it, pretty much anything with a fast acoustic guitar that in the end comes back to either being drunken sailor or um, cinnamon, I'm fucking there. Yeah. You're like, yeah! You know, and also to be fair, Lord of the Dance is a fucking banger. Yes. Oh absolutely. my god. I danced in the morning when the world was begun, and I danced in the moon and the stars and the sun. Fuck yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> if look, let's let's just put it this way. Like like Christian rock is a terrible bastard art form that has no reason to exist. Right. <laughs> Even when the Doobie Brothers, you know, decided they'd commit to it and they made a song called Jesus is Just All Right With Me, like, yeah, cool. If he's, yeah, then you don't need to just sing a fucking song about it, do you, mate? You know, oh, Jesus is just all right with me. That's one sentence. You don't say it to a second person, Doobie Brothers. What I really admire is my dad would sing these songs that even though he was a gentle bloke 
and an inclusive bloke and a kind bloke and an anti-racist and, you know, like pro-abortion and LGBTQIA plus pro and all of this, right? He would sing these songs that just sounded like they were about kicking people to death. It's fucking <laughs> great. Like Lord of the Dance sounds like Christ is kicking you in the fucking teeth. Yeah. And it's great. And then so does, um, I mean, Battle Hymn of the Republic. You know, da 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 You know, which to be fair, when, you know, let, let, let's just put it this way. When I was a um, insular, sandals-wearing kid who realised that maybe the other kids didn't have such high voices and were always talking about God, it was nice to have songs where you're like, yeah, I know you kids are listening to Metallica, but... <laughs> Jesus is the Lord of the dance and he danced in the morning. He's going to dance on your fucking heads. <laughs> and I never, yeah, I never felt like that. I was too much of a wimp for Metallica when I was that kid. But if, if anything, uh, yeah. uh, following that logic, it, mm. uh, I would argue that Jesus is probably more metal than Metallica, you know? Like, he's pretty, <laughs> pretty punk, isn't he? You know Put what I mean? the nails through your fucking wrists, you cunts. <laughs> That's his head. How many fucking <laughs> sex workers are you hanging out with, dickheads? <laughs> sex workers and fishermen. I'll tell you. And also, and, and you know what? You never see the members of Metallica beating the shit out of fucking bankers, do you? <laughs> you never see them going, picking up a scourge and just hitting some cunts in the fucking face. Jesus did. Yeah. I'll tell you what as well. Like... <clears throat> My, my wife said the smartest thing I've ever heard anyone say about Jesus. It's yeah. fucking brilliant, right? Yeah. I was, um, I was really ill. I was really ill for a long time, uh, just mentally ill. And in the middle of that, I know how mentally ill I was because I committed to a charity project that if I'd had any sense, I would have gone, oh, maybe think twice before you do that. <laughs> um, yeah. but I, I was like, I'm going to do a 48 hour Twitch marathon of my show, the dark room. Mm -hmm. And I, at that time, I was so fucking, I was not, not with it mentally. Uh, so everything came to me as like a really strong archetype. I couldn't see any nuance in anything at the time. And I was saying to my wife, and bearing in mind for all this talk about God, my relationship with God is usually a private thing. I don't fucking talk to people about it because why would you? Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need to do that. My, my greatest hope for people is good, good, go have a private belief. That's fine. You know, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Please don't. You don't want to force that on folk. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But I, was, I just went, oh, because I'd never really done like front-facing charity because I was like, I, charity for me is something that you do quietly. People don't have to know. Like I behave like an outrageous cunt 90% <laughs> of the time. I don't need people to know I'm actually quite nice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. My life's better occasionally when they don't know that. Yeah. Right. And she, I was like, but I'm like, but, but, you know, and I've never read the Bible, but I'm there like, but, but baby, you know, like, you know, Jesus said that charity, you know, should, shouldn't, should be done at home or, or something. I misquoted the Bible. And my wife goes, John, Jesus traveled everywhere with 12 journalists. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. What a fucking attention whore. Yeah. What a cunt. <laughs> yeah. Why wasn't he crucified privately? The dickhead. <laughs> Put a fucking sheet over him if he's so fucking humble. That's what I reckon. You know? So, yeah. So that was when I was like, okay, I guess it's fine to go, hey, I'm doing this. You yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, which was a nice thing to find out. I just didn't want to, you know, I wanted the, I wanted the work to be done rather than for it to be like, oh, look at what John's doing. So we look at him, absolutely. you know, in, in his new position as martyr, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know?
Yeah. Well, I um, I I think uh, we we. That was actually, uh, though tangential, was very, very nice insight to uh, to uh, your mindset, and uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you for that. But no, thank you very much. It's always it's always a joy. I like to, in the middle of all this this den of sex and rock, it's it's nice to just turn and suddenly out of nowhere have what sounded remarkably like an ad. <laughs> Except it isn't. I have no time whatsoever for organised religion. Fucking hell. Um, with that being said, let's head over to uh, let's talk. Let's let's move on to talking about your festival in the admin section. Yeah, let's do it now. Hello and welcome to season four of Castable. What a delight it is to have you back here. If you'd like to help support the podcast, because this is an ad-free podcast, there's many ways you can do that. You can follow me at Comedy on the social medias like Instagram and Twitter, and watch me do live performances on Twitch. I'm still doing Twitch throughout the summers and from 2021 onwards, so please do follow me there. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel at Comedy. If you'd like to, you can also read my book available from my website, www.mathousecomedy.com. It's called Purify. On top of that, make sure to join the Patreon where there's extra bonus content every single week. If you like my streams, there's some stuff there. And if you want to help the podcast specifically, make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast provider that you use and do share with friends. Other than that, enjoy this very special episode of Castable. Castable, if you can hear me, I want to sing along. Go for it. One more time. So in this section, John, I'm going to be asking you some um, basic stuff about... Hey, uh, you know what? Pick- hey, when you're doing a podcast about rock music, is there anything more thrilling than following Christianity with admin? <laughs> oh, we're having a big fucking day, aren't we? Oh. I'm sorry. Well, sorry, it can be punk admin, but like, ooh, rock and roll. No, it can't. No, it fucking can't. Have you met punk admin? They're the worst cunts. I, I am punk admin. I'm... No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, uh, I feel like I, that's my vibe, punk admin. I want to be organised. <laughs> organised punk, yeah, that's what Mate, I am. Look, I, I don't know about you, but I've a couple of times run into like old punks who've ended up in positions of authority, and what they are is fascists. It's the worst. <laughs> oh, you know, it, yeah. it, like, well, there's a fucking train guard in... No, not a train guard. He's a, he's a security guard, works at one of the train stations in London, mm-hmm. and he's covered with piercings. He's about 55. And I've watched him chase people downstairs, like, eh, come here! And I'm like, mate, just go to the football and kick someone's brains in, right? <laughs> I don't give a fuck you're wearing a tie, you cunt. Yeah. Right? I remember going into a fetish club and having the old punk who ran the door be like, eh, that's not an address code. And I'm like, well, that's not very punk, is it? You're like, oh, great. Yeah. They loved that conversation. Uh, well, absolutely. Anyway. And also, like, uh, you know, like, I feel like former punk stars who kind of uh, meant a lot are now people who uh, do adverts and kind of uh, uh, like a campaign for Brexit. That's the kind uh, of vibe they well, have, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> Johnny fucking Rotten is one of those. I know exactly who you're talking about. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Look, Johnny Rotten, I've, I figured out eventually, all, all he does, as you get older, right, if you want to be a fucking in your mind a satirist or worse a a fucking contrarian which is a very boring thing to do Mm -hmm. all you do is you take aim at the thing that's new and that's that's the trouble because like when you were the thing that was new you were taking aim at society in general then when you're now famous and you're part of society you're taking a stab at what you think is everywhere but actually isn't so you end up with like 
if Johnny Rodden was actually fucking controversial, he would turn around and go, you know what's tedious as fuck? Old punks. <laughs> Old punks. You know, he would alienate his audience. Yeah. And he'd get a new one and he'd be fucking pleased by it, you know? Yeah. Johnny Rodden on TikTok, for sure. Uh, yeah, and why the fuck not? You know, that would be actually innovative. You know, I mean, that's what David Bowie wasn't afraid of doing. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd go to a Bowie concert and go, who is he this week? What is it? <laughs> like a I mean, calendar. He's been, yeah. yeah, well, he's been repeatedly killing these characters since the 70s. This music here that's ferociously unenjoyable. Who is this for? And then you'd go, oh, it's for those people who are younger than me. Cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. And um, were you a fan of David Bowie growing up? Oh, very much. Very fucking much. But um, yeah, I, let, let's just put it this way. The white soul period, I don't really appreciate. It's, it's not for me. Yeah. Um, but I really like, I like 70s David Bowie. I like a little bit of I'm in Berlin strung out on heroin David Bowie. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, look, everyone, me and Brian Eno have put this album together. But also I am just going to go and quietly go and fuck Iggy Pop. And I'm like, spend more time on that. Yeah. That sounds more fun than this. Absolutely. Yeah, the low, the low album's not mm -hmm. great. Look, I've seen Iggy Pop without a shirt we all have it's incredible don't look at his face that's appalling get into it you know also i love i love the fact that david bowie could go between fucking iggy pop and lou reed and i'm like did you need a rest sometimes did you david is that what lou was because i can't imagine him being a voracious fucker hey you know what this, this let's go have intercourse this podcast is uh, already all I wanted and more. <laughs> you know, Metal David, Jesus. if you can just add, um, just slowly and languidly. Like, okay, okay, to tie it back earlier, right? Lou Reed was an artist that I liked listening to because you could understand all the lyrics in his songs. Mm -hmm. you, could all, you could hear them all the way through. And I hope and pray, because anytime Lou Reed went fast, it was embarrassing. Like um, in the in the album The Raven, where he tries to with horns, by the way, the mm -hmm. most non-rock fucking sound, <laughs> right? Try, I mean, very fucking soulful, and you can have it swell up behind you. But um, with horns and guitars, he tries to do a concept album about Edgar Allan Poe, which is almost entirely shit house. <laughs> but hearing a voice that's given to smoothness, go, trying to bark and going, these are the stories of Edgar Allan Poe. Not exactly the boy next door, right? Is not particularly compelling yeah. you know it's like unexpected nerdery in the rock department it's <laughs> and i i love nerd rock i mean they might be giants do it so fucking well mm -hmm. you know lou reed if it's slow you'll realize that i'm bisexual and on smack right <laughs> if it's fast you're like yeah, yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> stay in your lane lou <laughs> that's that's what whereas bowie of course would go today a new lane yeah. Well, this was an unexpected failure. Still <laughs> sold a million copies, though. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's a very, uh, very astute uh, analysis there. And uh, but let's let's head towards uh, the. Let's um, do some admin. <laughs> yeah, admin, as you famously like. Uh, um, so yeah. we're, we're going to learn more about your um, hypothetical festival. But what would, what would the name be of your festival? Jerkfest. <laughs> Jerkfest. It's that got to do with Iggy Pop again? Uh. Well, now, now, now. It's it's got to do. It's got to do with what we, what's going to link all of the acts. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, do you uh, want to tell us about the theme, or is it? Is it yeah, just... the theme. The theme of Jerkfest, right? And because I, I mean, I've I've talked about the nature of the sounds that I enjoy, mm -hmm. right? But the unifying thing that brings it together for me is I like. I, what I really enjoy is singer songwriters who have either suffered or have made other people suffer 
and because they exist in the music industry, that's somehow acceptable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because what happens to me over and over and over again is I go, this person's interesting, and then I read a biography of them, and I go, well, that person's terrible. I'm glad they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so that's kind of what I want, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna book some nice people. We're gonna book some nice people, but it's gonna be a lot of people who you're like, so. I understand you probably also went to therapy, but you probably didn't need to say that about your ex-wife on a recording. <laughs> oh, I've already got some people in mind who'd be perfect oh, for your very festival. Good. <laughs> very good. And uh, where geographically would your festival take place? Well, okay, geographically, I want it to be in a... You know what? I want it to be in a fabulously... Oh, fuck it. Let's take it to, um, I even know the venue. Let's take it to um, the O2 Academy Sheffield. Yes, very nice. Lovely well, stuff. yeah, I've done, let, let's go there because I've done sci-fi conventions there and it's great to do sci-fi conventions in a rock space. Um, and, mm-hmm. and to be fair, even though we're going to book some great acts, I don't need a million people showing up. I hate shitting in a fucking port loo <laughs> you know? <laughs> So I guess there's no camping with you at this. No fucking camping, right? (laughs) Look, okay, I go to sci-fi conventions. The best, kinkiest fucking orgies happen at hotels, right? (laughs) Okay, I don't give a fuck about... When I see people wearing fucking glitter, right, I'm like, you better be going to a goddamn well-organized event held at some sort of fucking mansion house or something because I'm not coming with you. If it's going to be like, I saw beauty and majesty. No, you didn't. You just dropped acid in a fucking field for five days. I do not like seeing middle-class children going and pretending to be fucking hippies from Woodstock. It bothers me. You are definitely destroying the demographic of this podcast, and I like it. You've got you to gotta give them what's what. hedonism, for. okay... Hedonism requires, all right, a bit of fucking luxury. And I don't mean luxury that you pay for. I mean luxury that you fucking find, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that was like, I'm into S&M and I'm over 30. My back hurts from fun and age at the best of times. I'm not lying on the fucking grass. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> You know what? You are um, you open up some new doors for me today. It's very very interesting. Yeah, I'll yeah. Smash your fucking doors, mate. <laughs> Take me to a hotel first, please. Uh... <laughs> You're fucking paying. Yes, absolutely. We'll do some. We'll put I'm on much, some. Uh... I'm very much the Magdalene of my friends group. I want you to understand <laughs> this. I was gonna say I was gonna put some Jesus metal on them. We'll uh, we'll uh, um, well, well that won't happen. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> oh wow. Well, what do you know? Ironically, for a mention of Jesus, there's now no wood here. <laughs> Never will be again. <laughs> the bit. carpenter has left the building. <laughs> Before we kind of go to see who is performing at your festival, firstly, yep. how many people would you like there at the festival, and uh, how many days of the festival are there? You know what? Let's have let's have three days of the festival. Yes, which is just long enough for us to peak on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, we chill out a little bit, but then everybody makes certain that they've got a hotel on Monday night. You mm-hmm. don't go home the day after because that's depressing, right? Because you're going to have the fucking come down. You've got to stick around and have an after party. And then on Tuesday, when you're actually kind of done, you leave. Oh, that's, that's actually a really brilliant idea because, like, that, that Monday when everyone's packing up and away, it's very jarring and depressing, isn't it? Like, just being like, yeah. Oh. Oh, I guess it's all over now. Going to drive five hours on the motorway. Yeah, you don't want that. What you want to do is you help them all pack down, which incidentally, 
is part of your ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lovely day of, oh, God, to quote The Simpsons, a beautiful night of music and packing up after yourselves. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, everyone would then, okay, what, the most important thing is your ticket comes with accommodation, right? Mm-hmm. And it goes on to the Monday. So we have the rock festival. Then everyone's still there on Monday night in the hotel. You've got a beautiful amount of parties there. Then on Tuesday, everyone can leave. Oh, that's fantastic. And how much do you reckon, uh, without revealing the lineup, how much do you reckon uh, you would charge per ticket? Oh, free. Uh, each ticket free. Uh, this has been entirely subsidised by the government. Um, <laughs> that, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Uh, in, in their usual fashion, where they're actually uh, hurting people very, very badly, they've now decided to do a populist activity. And uh, this is going to be it. Free festival. <laughs> be a lovely free festival. And the downside of it is that uh, we're all, you know, a lot of people here who wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have voted for the Conservatives, <laughs> or if they did, only did it out of self-interest, you know. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. That's a nice thing. Thank you, Tory government. I appreciate that. Well, I think it's time to head to, to head to the main stage of your festival. And We're see down at Jerkfest. <laughs> We're having a great time. Let's go and Jerkfest. I want to see that band you hate. I already told you we were too late. Now let's go back to the tent. Calm really cause it's burning in a field. Here we are at Jerkfest. So, uh, how many artists do you have every day? Is it? Um, do you have a rough approximation in mind? No, no, I've got no rough approximation. This is this is very much booked on an ad hoc basis. But fortunately, fortunately, thanks to government intervention, the secret teleporter they've been working on is available, and yes. um, we are able to just bring people in as we feel. That's actually a really cool idea because, like, you can just burn. well, thank fuck it is Star Trek's based it, used it for fifty years. That's a good narrative device here. Okay, well, uh, it's let's say it's Friday. Who's the first act that's going to come on? Who's Okay, gonna... the first act that we're going to have come on, we're going to have the legendary Stardust Cowboy. And mm-hmm. a big part of why we're going to have the legendary Stardust Cowboy, who might not actually be a jerk, is his music is the sort of music that jerks listen to and <laughs> pretend to enjoy. Um, <laughs> this is a guy who David Bowie, every once in a while, would say... Oh, I really admire the legendary Stardust Cowboy. That was a shithouse Bowie impression, but at least I didn't try to sing while doing it. Um, a mistake he often made. Yeah. Anyway, he... <laughs> oh, it's fun to be a minor artist taking a swing at a talented one. Um, well, that's what comedians are. Anyway, the um, legendary Stardust Cowboy is a guy that David Bowie, every once in a while, would go, I really like this, and then would clarify that in increasingly brutal ways as he got older. Yeah. Because what, what he should have really been saying is, I am a cool kid and I like this as a joke. And yeah, so he, yeah. This, this is the guy who used to sing a song called Paralyzed, which has no lyrics. Paralyzed! Paralyzed! And he also wrote a song called I Took a Trip on a Gemini Spaceship, which David Bowie covered and made fucking brilliant on the album Heathen. 
mm-hmm. right? Yes, yeah, I know that, yeah. Yeah, but Legendary Stardust Cowboy is somewhere between an outsider artist, as in somebody who is existing due to, due to various reasons they're speaking in their own artistic language, mm-hmm. right? But also, like, like all of those people, has the freedom to joke. So it's one of those things where this might be dreadful to you, but that person either knows, doesn't care, or is still capable of making other jokes. <laughs> like, I took a trip on a Gemini spaceship, which is some of the best lyrics I've ever heard, which I will gladly repeat to you. Mm-hmm. Turns out is a parody of a fucking Frank Sinatra song, which no one who's ever heard it would know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, even though, even though the song that it's uh, a parody of is just a guy going, I took a trip... And I thought about you. That's a song called I Thought About You, right? Yeah. And Legendary Stardust Cowboys song is I took a trip on a Gemini spaceship and I thought about you. I passed through the shadows of Jupiter and I thought about you. I shot my space gun. Boy, I really felt blue. I took a trip on a Gemini spaceship and I thought about you, right? Yeah. Now, in his version, (laughs) right? David Bowie's a, took a trip on a Gemini spacecraft. I thought about you. It goes for four and a half fucking minutes. Yeah. There's a techno break in the middle. It's brilliant. You know what? I want to hear the remix where you do it because that was absolutely fantastic. I would like to hear you remix both versions. That was fantastic. Well, oh, it's so cool. It's so cool. I've seen David Bowie fans get excited by he sings the lowest note he ever sang on record in the middle of that. And I've seen yeah. them go, wow. And I'm like, don't get turned on in the middle of the fucking novelty single that he's done because he's been making fun of his mate for 30 years. Yeah. And now he gets some publishing money. You know? Yeah. Please don't turn on David Bowie. He's saving that for Iggy Pop, for, for sure. Yeah. Oh, it's 100 fucking percent. So now we've had this. And the nice thing about having legendary Stardust Cowboy on is it's music that you look at rather than listen to. Right? Got so you. We're, yeah. we're having a great fucking time. People are filing in. Someone's on stage. Is he the tech? Is it a sound check? <laughs> <laughs> fucking perfect. It's happening. It's you just going don't on. Know. You, just you don't, don't know. You just don't know. <laughs> you should also have a technician go on after that just to do some, like, uh, like just, uh, you know, like uh, in the Radiohead's Glastonbury set, they, yeah. uh, they did tuning up for about, like, two three minutes and people thought it was a brand new song and that's the mm-hmm. kind of vibe i think you should you should go for like a really oh, just great. doing stuff i go is this, a, is this i think this is the act this is, is this legendary yeah. stardust cowboy <laughs> perfect yeah perfect so um after that grand introduction uh who uh who we got on after this we are now going to bring on uh from perth from perth western australia we are going to bring on nat Rapepi, singer nat Rapepi. Now, Nat Rapepi we're going to bring on because when I was running around in Perth and my mates were all, you know, coming into their sexuality and figuring mm-hmm. out what, what they were, which is a fucking journey and you can change as you get older. I have, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff. Nat Rapepi used to, and Nat Rapepi, if memory serves, was a tall, short-haired lesbian singer-songwriter who my, my clubbing lesbian mates adored because she would do a tall Australian acoustic singer-songwriter version of Lose Yourself. Mm-hmm. So Nat Rapepi is now out to recontextualize Eminem. Yeah. And this is back when Eminem was like, you fell into three camps with Eminem at the time. Either you went, well, these lyrics are homophobic. <laughs> you went, no, I fucking like the way he says kill people. Fucking <laughs> duh, duh. Or, or you were a hideous combination of the two going, 
Yeah, but you know, I mean, look, the artistry is actually, um, you know, it's really, um, it's really important. Like, Stan's a really important song. Um, or me, who would do this? What is it? Fuck off! <laughs> I'm over here trying to explain why Bob Dylan's enjoyable. Do you know? No idea. You know. But yeah, so we got Nat Repepi. Nat Repepi comes on, does some tuneful stuff, and now I'm going to dredge up a name from the depths. Here we go. It's now time for another Perth act. Mm -hmm. They are long defunct, but I'll tell you exactly why they're there, right? They are named after um, a mob of villains from um, Ben Nelton's novel Stark, mm -hmm. right? They are, they used to be called anyway, they're called the Fascist Fair Go Party, right? Okay. Which is meant to be a parody of um, Australian provincial Nazis who are the people on earth who deserve to be mocked the most. Mm -hmm. It's... They're fucking hideous. They've had a recent media resurgence in Australia, which is ferociously oh, embarrassing. Awful. Yeah, it's awful. But these guys, right, they had a song called Fuck Shit the Universe. <laughs> and Which David Bowie covered on Heathen. Yeah. Fuck Shit the Universe. <laughs> um, yeah, Fuck Shit the Universe comes with a dance where on fuck everyone thrusts forward, <laughs> on shit everybody drops their trousers like they're dropping their trousers, and the universe is you throw your arms wide like Christians acknowledging the sun. Yeah. You know, so fuck shit the universe. <laughs> fuck shit the universe. <laughs> so they're geniuses. Oh I mean, God. they're unrelenting geniuses. And then they had a mascot called Grug, right? Now, Grug is an incredibly talented um, artist, Really beautiful comic book artist. Did some work for me years ago um, mm -hmm. in Australia. Fucking tip-top bloke who used to, when I used to go to the anime club in Perth, um, used to walk around in a monk's robe, right? Mm -hmm. And Grug had a tonsure, I think, in the top of his head at one point, right? Now, I never sold Grug this because we were 15 at the time, but he scared the shit out of us because it's just this hairy bloke dressed as a fuck. He's dressed as a monk. Yeah. Like, so we thought, like, it was a monk. You know, like we're just dumb suburban kids. Like that, that, that monk likes anime. And, and even I, whose dad was a priest, I was like, I've never seen a monk. Like what, what the fuck's it doing? Yeah. Is it allowed out? Does it escape the monastery? Well, he never speaks. Has it had a vow of silence? Fuck. It, it turned out, of course, it's just a local artist dressing up to be weird, but nevertheless, <laughs> yeah. right. But what he used to do, right. In the middle of, um, their out in the middle of their shows, Grug would walk on stage, bear in mind, dressed as a monk, okay, playing a squeeze box, right, with his mouth bulbous, like clearly full of something, mm -hmm. right? And he's playing this squeeze box. And the way that I, the way I've heard it told is he comes on playing the squeeze box and the squeeze box is not anything to do with the music that's being played. You know, it's something else entirely. Mm -hmm. So the rest of the band will slowly fade out in, in confusion as to what is happening. Yeah. Right, da, da, da. and the squeeze box and the squeeze box and the squeeze box. He'll close the squeeze box, look at the audience. Now, you know the John Belushi animal house? You mm -hmm. punch your cheeks and out it comes. He'd punch his cheeks, sheep's eyes covered with custard. Fuck, oh my God. So we've got pus covered, as far as anyone knows, pus covered lamb's eyes oh my God. firing out into the crowd. Oh my God. Now, that is what Jesus Metal would do. Is it fucking ever? Oh my god! Bam! And and also the fact that if you would put it in your mouth, it's sweet pus, <sighs> sweet pus in the crowd now. And I do not mind telling you when I heard that, when I heard that that guy was doing that, that was the smartest thing I had ever heard. 
and <laughs> so much of my career is trying to, without copying that idea, is just trying to throw shit at an audience. And so I genuinely just throw things at crowds because of that guy. Yeah. Uh, Fucking what, brilliant. What a very inspiration. Well, not... I'm not sure if inspirational is the right word, but maybe it is. But, like, the, the idea how one performance or an idea of performance can influence you and as, as a uh, young person and as a performer. And how I like how one thing can really have deep ramifications for the rest of your being as well. I think that, that that's a... It's very... It has a massive impact. It's very yeah. resonating. I think ramifications was a very good word. Yeah. Um, it, you know, rather... <laughs> wow, that choice really had consequences, <laughs> You know, because I mean, like, part of me is like, my God, if only I'd admired some more commercial acts, there'd be money, you know, <laughs> it's, instead of going, hey, would you look at that? The bloke's spitting pus on them. That's how it should be. If only you like Metallica more. <laughs> if only. And, and, and let's be fair. Enter Sandman's a very good song. It that's is, that's yeah. a it's a, it's a real shame about everything else they've ever done. Well, you know but, what? I I, look, I I gotta say, as a teenager, Metallica were my favourites. Really? Yeah. Like I don't. Do you think I looked rock and roll, John? Well, mate. I mean, rock and roll is a very <laughs> mate. Buddy Holly looked rock and roll. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Buddy Holly was more rock and roll than most fucking people. Died in a fucking plane crash. Yeah. Most rock and roll shit you can do. Although I've just, although John Denver did as well, which might discount that a bit. <laughs> Imagine being so terminally uncool as John Denver that people are like, way to rip off Buddy Holly, mate. Wow. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Jerkfest. Jerkfest. So, who do you want, who do you have on after that act? Which, uh... Okay. So, after, after Perth's own pus flinging, pus flinging weirdos. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, what we're going to have is we're now going to put on. A seminal Australian art rock irritants, um, Tism. And Tism are going to close the day. Nice. Uh, Tism, uh, at the time, they were a, um, an anonymous uh, fucking rock collective, all wearing balaclavas, all with names like, um, and, and, and deliberately, deliberately irritating names like um, Ron Hitler Barassi. Ron oh. Barassi was a football commentator. Um, so it's actually more of a comment. It's, not, it's more of a comment on Ron Barassi. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, Humphrey B. Flaubert, um, you know, Flaubert, the philosopher and um, mm -hmm. Humphrey B. Bear, who was an Australian children's presenter, yeah. um, you know, things like that. And then they have songs with names like, um, let's see. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of them. Uh, there's song about the death of River Phoenix. He'll never be an old man. River. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's let's see. All homeboys are dickheads. Oh. Um, uh, everyone else has had more sex than me. <laughs> I might be a cunt, but I'm not a fucking cunt. Um, Great, yeah, great, great trucking songs of the Renaissance. Um, oh, what are you, yobble wanker? These are, yeah, th this is this is fun. These guys, <laughs> and and very very showy. They they would put on some really great cabaret and just like they dance, they sing. You can they're they're hard, they're fun, they crowd surf, they wear elaborate stage costumes, um, and they're they're amazing. They're they're amazing. But they're what happens when. Angry, fun nerds are angry and creative and fun. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's perfect rather than the angry nerds of the internet. You know, I'm jerking off constantly, but also, why am I jerking off constantly? <laughs> oh, you know what, mate? It's not the women. It's because you're a wanker. <laughs> oh, but if I blame myself, that means I have to look at me. <laughs> right. I'm going to clip that. And anytime I'm on Twitch in the future and someone, I'm just going to yeah. put, put that as an audio clip. Oh, please do it. I mean, there are also the cunts who fucking monetize that. But even yeah. then, they... They know what they are, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yes. Wankers for money has less dignity than sex work. Sex work is a noble and artful profession that mm-hmm. can't be done by everybody. Being a wanker on the internet can be done by fucking everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Jesus Christ. Which which is why, I mean, there's an ongoing joke I have, which is I could never be a porn star, but I'd be delighted to be referred to as a porn participant. <laughs> you know, that would be nice. But I, I'm very familiar that the way I have sex, it's not fun for the observer. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> fun I've... to be involved, not fun to watch. Had to be there. Had to be there. I, I've learned so much about you today, John, and <laughs> it's, it's yeah. been very good. Thank you. I, I'm pleased. Uh, that I want that. Very good. That's nice. So, so we finished day one. Mm-hmm. Now it's day two. Brilliant. Day two of Jerkfest. And um, all right, day two of Jerkfest, we're starting off acoustic. Mm-hmm. We're starting off acoustic, and he's back from the dead. Please welcome, it's Mr. Warren Zevon to, nice. to play for us an acoustic set of his mid-tempo... Neo-noir bangers. Yes, I like that. I fucking love Warren Zevon. Only, okay, for all of his, all of his fucking problems, all right, Warren Zevon is the only artist who could in any way have been reached out to yeah. to provide the outro for William Shatner's tech war. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so could you tell us a little bit more about Zevon's work? Because um, um, like compositions like uh, Werewolves of London and stuff yep. like that. Okay. I found Warren Zevon's name written in the back of the Great Rock and Roll Encyclopedia 1992 edition, which my mother owned. Mm-hmm. And... I love Frank Zappa, and so I was at the Z end anyway, and then mm-hmm. I went into the footnotes, and at the back was Warren Zevon, and I saw that name, and I thought, okay, that's amazing. And then it, it referred to him as a dark, brooding, noir songwriter with a song called Werewolves of London. I thought, I must listen to whatever this is. And rather than finding a track or anything, I went out and immediately bought a Best of Warren's Yvonne album mm-hmm. and put it on, and it was not what I expected. I mean, it was this, you know, this sort of like... Werewolves of London, it's a plinky-plonk novelty song. Mm-hmm. But the next song after that is Excitable Boy. Now, Excitable Boy, it doesn't matter. Like, bearing in mind, I truck with goths, and teenage goths are the most, you know, just depressingly posy. I'm sad. I'm dark. My feelings lack value. But please listen to all of them <laughs> in poetry form, right? Yeah. Okay. Warren Zevon is effortlessly in that song the most brutal, unpleasant person I've ever heard of in any recording. Mm-hmm. And it's astonishing. And it's one of those things where, let, let's, let's put it this way, he played it at a party once and apparently Joni Mitchell turned and said, how amusing. <laughs> and she's right. Yeah. Okay. And off the back of that, it's one of those things where, and, and the reason I'm sort of dancing around this is at the end of that song, he... Well, in the second last verse, he plays with something I don't like. If if the song was just murder, I'd be all there for it. But he plays with something that, nah, don't joke about that. Um, for you know, and um, but yeah, it's one mm-hmm. of those things where, when you hear something truly objectively 
dark, delivered, ma- married to a jaunty piano, mm-hmm. the cabaret part of me stands up and goes, <laughs> well, well, shit, all right, I guess we're with this fucking guy. Yeah. And, yeah, the fact that the fact that he would write these songs that are either pastiches where he's very, very keen on an idea and then you realise he's actually just someone's nerdy friend. Yeah. Like a song called Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner, which is about a guy working as a mercenary in the Congo who gets his head blown off but then goes around the world shooting people at all major historical events, right? Mm-hmm. And he did that because at the time he was living and playing in a bar and the guy who ran the bar was an ex fucking mercenary who had a fucking card that literally said mercenary assassinations, parties, orgies arranged. Right. See, between those two things, I go, well, I want to hang out with that guy and the nerdy bloke with the glasses and the guitar can fuck off. I want to hang out with this fucking Merc with a sense of humor. He sounds like Deadpool, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, Warren Zevon, I like because he's, yeah, like you find out later intensely twisted and so obnoxious that he was genuinely kept out of Rolling Stone forever after. Yeah, like literally he behaved so badly on the set of Saturday Night Live that apparently Jan Wenner just went, nah, never again. Yeah, I mean, Werewolves of London is a fun noir song. Um, He puts in these jokes that I love, like in the song Desperados Under the Eaves, which is about him... Uh, living in downtown Los Angeles and he's drying out because he was an alcoholic and, you know, mm. he's very sad addiction problems. Um, and of course his, his death was very, very sad as well. Um, but he writes in the song Desperados Under the Eaves, mm-hmm. how he's living in this hotel and, you know, he's, he wants to find someone who'll understand him and all of this, but the outro of it is just him going, just bear with me as I do this, because mm-hmm. it doesn't capture the beauty and sadness of this. Bearing in mind, he was friends with people who could sing, and he was regarded as being not a good singer. He's a beautiful singer. Mm-hmm. He's a beautiful singer. He's got a good, crusty voice, uh, but not like Tom Waits, but just like a kind of, you know, thick voice. But it's just him going, mm-hmm. and it, he's younger. I was sitting in the Hollywood Hawaiian Hotel. I was listening to the air conditioner hum. And I want you to understand at this moment, a bunch of West Coast strings come in under this Mm -hmm. and a backing group, which is actually most of the Eagles, harmonizes as Warren Zevon with the lyric, I was listening to the air conditioner hum, then goes, and it went, "Mm -hmm." and then you just hear everyone harmonize on that. You're like, there's a string section and the Eagles pretending to be a fucking air conditioner. (laughs) This is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Absolutely. I love it. And next we have the Rolling Stones trying to be a tumble dryer. Yes. (laughs) It's so fucking good. Yeah. It's, it's gold. And yeah, he just, I love him. And he, he did the fact that he did a concept album called, um, Oh God, transverse city, which was meant to be about the future and REM show up to go, we'll be your backing group, Warren, you know, just so fucking fun. That's great. Yeah, I love him. And also he wrote, and and occasionally he'd write genuinely really heartfelt, upsetting songs like Desperados Under the Eaves, Mm -hmm. um, Don't Let Us Get Sick, all of this stuff. But, oh my God, just, um, yeah, I like like a song with a little bit of a nod and a wink. Or as a friend of mine um, parodied him for my pleasure one time, hey, look, John, I'm being ironic. In this song, I'm being ironic too. Do you get it, John? Irony. I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) 
<laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. Warren is opening up. The... Warren's opening. Warren's yeah. opening. We've had a great day with Warren. Mm -hmm. We've had a great day with Warren. And now that we've enjoyed ourselves, it's time for the jerk's choice. Here's the fabulously unenjoyable. It's motherfucking Captain Beefheart. Uh, <laughs> so you don't like Captain Beefheart? Captain Beefheart is... Okay. I have listened to Captain Beefheart. I own two Captain Beefheart albums. Mm -hmm. Which ones? I, put, um, I, I own a copy of Trap Mask Replica. Mm -hmm. I'm that wanker. And, oh no, I've got three. I've got Safe as Milk, which is halfway mm. listenable. Mm -hmm. And I've got, oh, it might be Blue Jeans and Moonbeams. Yeah, yeah. Captain Beefheart does one of my favorite shitty musician things where he can transparently do something very well and refuses to do it at all times. Right? Yeah. He is a good blues singer and he refuses to just sing blues songs. <laughs> Well, yeah. To be fair, like I feel, um, if anyone doesn't know Captain Beefheart, he uh, um, he, first and bulbous, first and bulbous, runcible spoon, first and bulbous. <laughs> well, I, I very much uh, worked a lot with Frank Zappa and has a quite a esoteric sound. Uh, and uh, but to be fair, I'd like uh, I like uh, uh, Moonbeams and uh, yeah, uh, uh, and uh, um, Blue Jeans Moonbeams and yes, uh, that's the one. Yes, and also I, I don't I don't mind. Um, is it clear spot or something like that? And uh, yeah, like uh, they're, they're, I think uh, uh, Captain Beefheart. Uh, I do like Captain Beefheart, but I can totally understand why someone might not like it. I, li I, mean? I like his voice, but I at one point I put it on, and then I audibly just said, "I realized I was alone," and I was like, "Who am I trying to impress? <laughs> Who? Why am I listening to this shit? Because rock music, rock critics think it's clever. This is horrible for me." That was the first time that I had to, you know, I was sort of like, "No, no." I've developed my own personal taste. This isn't it. I'm not in on whatever this joke is, right? Still some great songs. Yes. I mean, his um, his uh, her eyes are a blue million miles from mm -hmm. the Big Lebowski soundtrack's mm -hmm. cool. Um, let's see, on the Mayo Mayo. That's fun too. But yeah, I I put him on because occasionally you just want to see the dance floor clear. <laughs> You need to sell some merch. Absolutely. Get out! Yeah, get out, everybody! And now that we've um, now we've done that, okay, get ready because it's a marathon mammoth session that's mm -hmm. coming up next, right? So Captain Beefheart has come on, and bearing in mind as well, Captain Beefheart, or uh, despite his uh, gradual declining health and um, emotional mistreatment at the hands of Frank Zappa, mm -hmm. was an asshole. Like if if you ever want to really, well, I mean, you won't upset yourself. You just go, oh. Like how they made Trout Mask Replica, like, oh, this is a bad man. He deserves everything that happens to him. Mm -hmm. He is a dickhead. Once that dickhead's gone and he's in the teleporter, he he's yeah. not hanging out. Yeah. I don't I don't want to talk to Mr. <laughs> oh, if you want to be a bigger fish, sometimes you have to jump into a different school. Yes, that's very good. A quote that I thought was so clever, and then I realize he says it in every fucking interview. Um <laughs> so he's gone. Yeah. But you know who's now stepped onto stage? And it's a confusing moment because uh most of the people won't know who she is, but that's okay. It would appear, friends, that Lucy Wainwright Roach has reached the stage. Now, mm -hmm. Lucy Wainwright Roach is a wonderful recording artist, lovely person, and suddenly she's been joined by the band Folk Uke. And yeah. Folk Uke, who have a song, um, what was the one my grandmother sent me? Was it <laughs> I Gave a BJ to a DJ? <laughs> no, it was Starfucker. That's the one. <laughs> Two very illustrative songs. Uh... Yeah, well, well, the members of Folk Uke are Arlo Guthrie's daughter and yeah. Woody Nelson's daughter. And their song, Starfucker, 
which starts off with bearing in mind one plays ukulele, one plays guitar. They both have beautiful voices. They call her all beef patty. She's got her eye on my daddy. She's coming at him like a trucker. She's a star fucker. Right? It's just them singing about having to deal with groupies trying to fuck their fathers, mm -hmm. right? Lucy Wainwright Roach is the daughter of folk singing su sensation Suzzy Roach, who mm -hmm. will now come on stage armed with her entire fucking family, the Roaches. <laughs> so now we've got this beautiful swirl of various danceable songs. Mm -hmm. But hold on a minute, there's another name in Lucy Wainwright's name, which is Wainwright. And that means that oh, now, God. folks, it's the most dysfunctional family in folk music. It's everyone's been to therapy, but that doesn't mean we didn't do an entire album about it. <laughs> oh Coming on one by one, please welcome bloody motherfucking asshole, Martha Wainwright. And that's, that song's about her dad and she introduced used to introduce it as same. Yeah. So she's there, we've got this great sonic wall, all of the women are out, but out now, suddenly a piano is lowered onto the stage. And uh-oh, it's, the man who did the entire Judy Garland concept album, Rufus Wainwright, is here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is very making. Uh, this is a marathon. This is nice. Yep. Oh God, this 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 part of the gig goes for six hours, right? <laughs> and now, out of nowhere, hello, an accordion has made its way to the stage, which means that Kate and Anna McGarrigal are now here. It's Rufus and Martha's mum and her sister, and they're all singing and playing, and they're playing, oh, and, it, and it's beautiful, and it's beautiful, and it's beautiful, and they're all having a great time, and what a great wall. And then when that's done, right, mm -hmm. they all fuck off, and out comes Loudon Wainwright <laughs> on his own yeah. with the guitar. And you know what? He sings the song One Man Guy. Mm -hmm. And bearing in mind, Loudon Wainwright is a man who... In real time, he's reconciled with his children and they've all examined their dysfunctional relationships and all, and all of this. But I just like, because I like Loudon the most, Loudon will play two sets of this. One is, after this entire great groundswell of family, Loudon will come out and sing his song, One Man Guy, alone on stage, uh, which mm -hmm. is a song about how, because of his commitment to being himself, he's intensely selfish and alienates everyone around oh my him, God. right? Yeah. Now there's a lovely moment where all of his children have sung that with him, which is really inspirational. I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I want to cut through to sadness and pain and misery. And now that one man has sung a song about being alone after the most intense swelling up of family, that night just ends. <laughs> it's called jerk fest for a reason. Oh my god! Tell you what, like, uh, like it is a joke fest, but you know, at least it's free. It's been subsidised by Absolutely. the Tories. Fucking lootly, we're having a great time. So it's Saturday night. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's danced. There's been some beautiful folk music bangers. We've had a great time. Now everyone's sad, and they go home. <laughs> the next day they come back. Loudon's back on stage again. Yes. Which now has made this gig the most intimate goddamn festival ever. Mm -hmm. Right? We cried over you yesterday. He plays a set of his very, very funny, very wry, very wise, witty, whimsical songs. Mm -hmm. It's marvellous. He finishes good times. Yeah. There will be two more acts today. Mm -hmm. Nick it. Cave will now come out. Oh, hello. Yes, please. Now, Nick Cave, a very nice man, very nice man who's gone through hell, mm -hmm. right? He will come out armed with the Bad Seeds and Grinder Man. It's lucky both those bands are almost the same people. <laughs> yeah. He will do us some songs. We'll have some danceable Nick Cave times. 
He'll finish with the ballad of Robert Moore and Betty Coltrane, mm -hmm. right? People will be expecting that because we've got the doyen of sorrow, Nick Cave, there, surely we're going to hear some something from Skeleton Tree. The same trick with Loudon Wainwright's going to happen. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> no. He will finish by playing little-known but danceable number, the ballad of Robert Moore and Betty Coltrane, which is a fucking piano rave-up tune, <laughs> right? about, in the end, a woman blasting the face off her ex-lover, right? It is wonderful. All of that will go on. They'll reach a crescendo. The stage will then explode. <laughs> the stage has now exploded, sadly killing Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Blood spattered everywhere. Fragments of Warren Ellis and his beautiful violin oh. everywhere. At which exact moment... The jaunty opening strains of They Might Be Giants, Dr. Worm will be heard. And running frantically on stage, it's John Friends, John Flansburg and John Linnell. It's They Might Be Giants. And because the audience that's come to this are principally, principally jerks and nerds, they will dance as though Nick Cave has not just died in front of them. <laughs> and they will have a marvellous fucking time. Wow. Because they might be giants or everything that I adore. They have a lot of sorrow and a lot of pain, but you can dance to it to the point you won't even notice. And that's going to be this. It's not going to be about the healing power of art. It's going to be about how art is a lie, a terrible lie, and should not be mistaken for actual human interaction. <laughs> I think I'm utterly... Utterly broken after this festival. <laughs> and that's what you should be. And then on Monday, we're all playing board games in the hotel and discussing what we've seen. Do you reckon that thing with the cave was real? Do you reckon it's actually... Nah, but they may be giants for fantastic though, weren't they? They yeah, call me Dr. Worm. I like particularly they played their medical song after they clearly died. <laughs> if only Dr. Worm had been there, could have saved something. I guess life is unfair. Um... Yes, and I just stare at the stain on the wall where... Nick Cave used to be. Yeah, the bad seeds were, but ever since we could have just gone to see Blur. Something like that. And bearing in mind, I love Nick Cave and the bad seeds. I desperately do not want them to die. Um, I, I wish to make that point. But yeah, that's, that's jerk fest, everybody. Wow. Well, I think it's, uh, let's quickly head to the final part of our podcast. Uh, just okay. to catch a breather in floor fillers. Good idea. As with event management, things are bound to go wrong. So here's the five hypothetical questions that our guest has to deal with in a manner that he sees fit. Please. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, they may be giants have cancelled last minute. Who do you get to replace them? No, they haven't. <laughs> but they have for the purposes no, of... They f no, they haven't. No, they'll answer to me. <laughs> they <What>? have not. <laughs> okay. No, they fucking haven't. <laughs> what, what would you say to them? Like, what, What's the kind of thing you... Uh, how would you uh, beckon them back? 
it, well, it'd be one of these moments of going, look, I, I admire your artistry and I appreciate very much that you are um, historically the single most independent, uh, sorry, most successful independent artist of all time. And you did a concert at age 15 that I genuinely didn't go back to see you again ever because it was it's the most treasured possession I have in my memory of going to see rock concerts. But I want you to understand that you are both ageing nerds and I will just <laughs> kick the shit out of you. <laughs> You know what? I don't think they can argue with that. Well, let, let's let's just put it this way. I love They Might Be Giants, but they are the most beatable up looking band. <laughs> it's fine. They're, they're coming back. They're coming in. Also, their manager's a fucking nice bloke. I don't know him, but I emailed, I emailed them once, like as a fan, to ask for something. Mm -hmm. And he got back to me within the hour. Wow. It was great. And, and genuinely, he was like, oh, yeah, if you've got the money, absolutely. Well, you know, if you want a song, sure. And it was so cool. I didn't have enough money, but he was, he was so nice. He was genuinely like, for this amount of money, we can license you any of our songs that's not on any of these records. And it was only the records they released through Capitol. So mm -hmm. I, there were so many fucking cool tunes. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, seriously, go get yourselves. Oh, fucking hell. Get something off Mink Car. Fucking great. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Captain Beefheart has been a diva. How do you deal with Captain Beefheart? Fuck him off. We don't need <laughs> Captain Beefheart. I didn't even want Captain Beefheart. I was just committing to the theme. Get Frank Zappa, which is who I wanted. I love it. Your dream festival is like, okay, who can we have? People I want to see? No, I want to go for spite. That's what I want. Well, it's it's jerk fest, mate. Yeah, I for mean, sure. you know, look, you know, it's it's one of those things where you got to have a bit of commitment to that. There'll be there'll be people who saw legendary Stardust Cowboy going, oh well, come on, <laughs> you know, where's Captain Beefheart? But also, to be honest, I think I think part of me didn't want to bring in Frank Zappa, mm -hmm. mostly because. Zappa, okay, Zappa seems like a guy who he was really good to his family and, but could be professionally, not difficult to deal with in an anger sense or a, um, an emotionally excessive sense, but just seemed like a really pragmatic businessman. Mm -hmm. And as a result, given that I've either booked people who do what I like to do, which is you show us the money and then we will go literally anywhere. You can airdrop us in. We're chill to deal with. The shows that we do are excessive, but, you know, like, we, we know what business is. Whereas with Frank Zappa, I feel like we'd have been there talking about the contracts still. Yes, you know, absolutely. Just, just yeah. for fucking ages. And then the end result would be that we had Frank Zappa, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and I like Frank Zappa, but I wouldn't have gone to see him live for any reason. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I would have rather wanted to have a coffee with him and not have any financial dealings with the man. Um, that's that's absolutely fair enough. And uh, a good enough reason to pick and then fuck off Captain Beefheart. Um, yeah. Uh, next question. Your fans are in the mosh pit. Oh, the Jerkfest fans are in the mosh pit. They're crowd surfing and they're doing something called the Robotron. What do you think that might be? It's fantastic and good on them. It's very, very good. And what it is, what it is, is it's a mid-range crowd surf. So yeah. it's, not a, it's not a crowd surf that's done above the heads. It's done at waist level. <laughs> And, and these, yeah, they're just being passed around, and, and 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 it's very much my reliance on my audience, and it's a reflection of my level of success. <laughs> Not quite at the top, but if I was middle. successful, I was at the top, you know. And and the middle is well, let, let's be honest, the middle is <laughs> kind at best, you know. Functional, it's functional, it's good. There's a fine fulcrum. People are just firemen carrying people around. It's great. That's lovely stuff. That's very, very original. Uh, lovely stuff. Um, so uh, your festival loves you, and they want you to sing one song at the festival. If you had to pick one song to join any artist on stage to sing, what would you, what song would you pick? 
Oh, fan fucking fantastic. If I'm joining if I'm joining any artist on stage, I would want to come and you know what? I'm I'm enough of a fucking show pony that I'm like, oh, I'm coming on during the headliners. I'm coming on with <laughs> yes. that might be giants. Of course they am. And then I can go, wow, three Johns. And people will get excited. And then I would do, um, even, even though it's not one of their hits, I would do Cyclops Rock. Nice. Which is a great fucking tune. I love, I lo yeah, I love, to tell you how to Cyclops Rock, then you got it. Yeah, so good. It's so noisy and fun and fast and they could play something enjoyable once I'm done. That sounds great, and uh, be careful of the the Nick Cave guts everywhere. But it'd be a it's a, it's a oh, hazard. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a it's a fucking slipping hazard, and with how I go with slipping hazards, I would yeah, I would fall, but I would fall at a good time. You know, I would fall off stage, and I'd be doing the Robotron. You know, we we caught him just before he got the floor. He's doing it. He's doing it. Yeah, it'd be great. That's amazing. And that's that's a perfect way to finish off uh, Floor Fillers and to finish off this podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Castle, Thank you, John. Matt. Have you had a nice time? I've had an absolute bloody blast. This has been more enjoyable than Jerkfest uh, <laughs> would be or would be intended to be. Well, that's very, very kind of you. And, uh, and where can people find you online? And would you like to plug anything? I absolutely would. Uh, you can find me streaming six days a week, twice a day most days, at twitch.tv slash Robotron, R-O-B-B-O-T-R-O-N. I'm also on Twitter at the same name, uh, John Robertson Comedy on Facebook, um, and I've, I've Mr. John Robertson on YouTube. And yeah, I mean, the, the Twitch is principally what I'm doing. We're having a really wonderful time there. Come and join the party. It's, it's a lovely hangout. And I am singing a distressingly large number of ukulele tunes, and thanks to a really supportive community, getting better at it, having a great time. <laughs> but please don't think that you're like, oh, God, we're going to tune in. It's going to be like music practice. No, it's a lot of improv and mental health chat and mm -hmm. dancing around, and we do interactive shows like The Dark Room, my live-action video game, and lots of stuff. Really fun. And uh, please do go and check out uh, John on uh, Twitch. It's one of the best. I would, I would argue a Twitch gargantuan, actually. So. Yeah, <laughs> but, thank you. Uh, but it, seriously. Argue, argue doing a lot of strong work there. <laughs> I, I won't dispute it in any way. Um, and, and, and to be fair, anyone who'd be offended by that is too big to notice. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. But, uh, well, thank you so much for listening to Cast of a Listener. And uh, uh, we really appreciate you listening. If you do like what we do, make sure to check out all the past episodes. Uh, they're available on Apple, Spotify. And where, wherever you listen to this from, please give us five stars uh, if you're able to do so. And then also, please tell your friends about it. Word of mouth is really, really important. You can follow us at Castle Podcast Online, and when you follow me at Matt House Comedy too. But finally, give a massive thank you to my wonderful guest, John Robertson, everyone. Thank you. Yay.